Hello, Bitcoiners. Welcome back to the show. My name is Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets, simply the best podcast in the space. <laughs> if you get that, you're an insider here in Bitcoin. Anyways, today is going to be a market analysis episode. And if you're new to the show, on these episodes, what I do is I go over price um, futures, I go over mining and lightning and all sorts of different statistics, you know, transactions and stuff, and, uh, you know, all the important kind of fundamentals. Uh, for the for the week and then i also cover at the end some news items or i have a rant or whatever good show lined up for today not too much excitement like on the price side on the fundamental side but there's a few real big news items so you'll want to stick around for that if you like the show if you enjoy this today hit us up with a subscribe wherever you're listening to this if you're on itunes Hit us up with a review. It's much appreciated. We also have a support page, bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. Lots of ways to support the show, including donations and other things. So lastly, of my admin notes, I'm going to throw out the report. We do a newsletter report every Friday. It's called the Fundamentals Report. And I think it is probably the, the densest and uh, best source of information that you've can get on a weekly basis. Um, I subscribe to a lot of other newsletters kind of out there uh, in the space to see what people are doing. And, uh, you know, we put a ton of information in there uh, with charts and all sorts of stuff. So check that out. You can sign up for that on the website forward slash report. You'll find it if you just go there. All right. So let's just jump into it, guys. The price on Bitstamp right now, 3938 since last episode, we did see a continuation of the rally. So uh, if you guys get the report and you see my charts, then you would see like I was expecting a slight pullback to test some of the support that we built from the rally two weeks ago uh, from the big daily green candle that we got two weeks ago, which happened. And then, you know, I was expecting us to slowly go up. We went up pretty quickly and broke this long term trend line. Now this trend line that you'll see on my chart on the report is a uh, the, the support line for all of 2018. And then when we broke down below it in December of that year, last year, it became resistance multiple times. Okay. Now we have broken out above it. Uh, there's a few, I mean, there's, you could draw the line slightly different um, on different people's charts. Some could show us still like right at the line, but my chart is showing us above the line and holding, right? Holding right above that. Now this, this coincided of course, with a big run in Ethereum and Litecoin and EOS. Actually EOS has been the best performer this year so far. And, uh, <laughs> you guys know how I feel about, uh, these altcoins. Um, but I, I, I do think it's important to understand that they can rally in price. I think the top is in forever on most of the current batch of altcoins, but you know, they can rally. They're very illiquid, so they can rally and they can, um, you know, uh, at the same time that they can kind of put some downward pe pressure on Bitcoin's price because everything's so correlated, they can put upward pressure on Bitcoin's price as well. So I think that's kind of what we've seen here, but Bitcoin is having some really good news out there. Uh, so it's anybody's guess, right? And I've been calling this sideways action for a long, long time. I think, um, you know, taking out the like two week drop from 6,000 
down to 3,000, <laughs> taking out the drop. Um, we have been sideways, right? And uh, it's just, it's similar to like when you look at a ripple chart and you see the ups, you know, the big swings up in price, they happen very, very quickly, like within a week or two. And so if you look at all of Ripple's history for the last three or four years, whatever it is, um, that's what, like say 200 weeks, all of the big gaining weeks were, I don't know, a handful, maybe five or six out of 200. So they have these pump and then slow dump cycles on Ripple. Okay. And so then at that time, like to explain that, I would say it's, it's very, very central. The supply is obviously very centralized. There's no disputing that. And so they can pump the price real quickly and slowly sell, right? Uh, to make up uh, their cost for their business, because that's the only way they can make money is by selling Ripple. So that, that's obviously um, manipulated. And then when you look at the Bitcoin price, you know, we we're really holding that rock solid at six, like 6,200. Um, and then if you take out the next two weeks after that, when the price really crashed, we're still sideways. Like the momentum is sideways. Um, even though the chart has been painted to look down, um, it, it's like, if you take seriously, if you take those two weeks out, go onto your charts and take two or three weeks out from 6,000 down to 3000. So two weeks out of the last, um, 60 and look at the chart. Like it's, it's obviously in a consolidation phase for sure. Okay. This, this bear market that people call it, it has, um, not affected the fundamentals. <laughs> we are back up to near all time highs for number of transactions. Okay. Out there in Bitcoin trading volume has, is starting to come back. Um, uh, block size is doing well. Miners, uh, of course, difficulty is a little bit lower than all time highs, but you know, it's, if we went up to say $5,000, I think we would be hitting close to all time highs again on the hash rate. So, um, all the fundamentals are very, very strong as well as, you know, we see things out there about uh, OTC volume being very high, um, institutional demand picking up anyway. So that's kind of the price where we have a ton of support now below us, not only that long-term trend line that probably, I don't think it's that important if we break that again on the downside, uh, but I would like to see us hold support of moving averages and also the top of last week's kind of sideways action. So uh, I would like to see us hold 3,700. That would be really uh, good news for Bitcoin. We will have obviously another sell-off. We're not going to the moon right away. Like I said last week, we're not going to the moon. But I do think that um, you know we need to show some support here. Also, we have the 200-week moving average down below us and that is showing some good good support as well multiple times now so yeah all good things for the price i, I don't see like you know Murad and some others are calling for 1800 one thousand dollar bitcoin um anything's possible but i think that's probably a one percent chance right uh, it, it's very very strong fundamentals and lots of good uh, adoption going on right now so i don't see us uh, moving that far we could test the lows. That's probably a 25% chance, uh, but 75% chance we stay above the lows and we slowly accumulate and then start going up. Remember, the halvening is only a little over a year away. What is it? May, May that of 2020 that the halvening will happen. Uh, so 
people start pricing that in, okay? And it can't be priced in completely. It can be priced in for the time, but the halvening itself draws more interest, right? So you can't like price in the new interest that's going to come into the space. That's why we see a deflationary spiral. Shout out to Bitcoin Blake because he introduced me to that idea in Bitcoin. Uh, but a the halvening kicks off a deflationary spiral and that is very unpredictable. So yes, people can kind of price in the halvening. So we, we hit a bottom at around 3000 uh, Pricing that in would be going through the halvening at about $6,000, $7,000. Now, if that's they're pricing this in, that would be pricing it in. But they can't price in the increase in popularity, the increase in demand just from the halvening that, you know, it drives its own its own cycle. So that's why we see the, the big runs in price after the halvening. Anyway, so that's about all for price. Let's go on to futures. All right, so the contract that's expiring in a little over a month on BitMEX, that's the March contract, uh, we're seeing about a $20 premium. And I've been talking about this for how long? And I cannot wait until we start seeing the premium swap from or the spreads swap from a discount to a premium. And we saw that on this run up. There's a nice chart, colorful chart in the report for that. So can you tell I'm shilling the report? <laughs> But it's good. I mean, I talk about a lot of stuff here on the show, and it's hard to talk about these charts and not give you guys the opportunity to see what I'm talking about. The report comes out on Friday, never fail. Okay, it's, I think it's issue 25 or something like that uh, this week, and we've never missed a Friday, and we don't plan to ever miss a Friday, but every once in a while we do miss a Friday for the show. So um, that is something for you guys to to see what I'm talking about and also, you know, get that in case I don't get a show out in time. All right, let's go on to sentiment. This is kind of exciting <laughs> compared to the other charts. This one's kind of exciting. We saw a huge drawdown in the longs. Okay. And actually we started seeing that drawdown on the run up to around 3,800. The, the, the long started closing uh, pretty significantly so they got as high as 38,000 longs that might be an all-time high at least for the uh, data that's available and and now they're down at about 25,000 so quite a, quite a significant um, reduction in the amount of longs now shorts during that time they did also close quite a bit uh, but not nearly as much. Let's see. So they topped out at about 25,000 longs, or sorry, 25,000 shorts, and now they're sitting at 20,000. So they've come down as well, but not as much. The sum of these margin positions on Bitfinex are, is shrinking. All right. And that means to me, there's uncertainty. We're coming to a point in the charts, we're coming to a point in this bear market or bull market are we going to consolidate now are there lower lows in the future it looks like some of the shorts think that the lower lows are not coming anytime soon and a lot of the longs are thinking that the higher highs are not coming anytime soon so there's um uncertainty out there increased uncertainty right now that's what i'm taking from this sentiment but overall it, it does look 
healthy. I mean, we have this um, structural bullish bias, and the ratio is 1.27 longs for every short. So we do have this structural bullish bias, which is the typical scenario here in Bitcoin. So everything does look healthy. All right, let's go on to the altcoins. So like I said, um, this year so far, actually, I, I misspoke. I did misspeak a little bit earlier. I said that EOS was the best performer of the year. They have been the best performer of the last two weeks. So even though it looks like Ethereum or might feel like Ethereum has had a really good two weeks, EOS had a way better two weeks. Um, but over the entire year, 2019, so far, Litecoin is up 52% against Bitcoin. Remember, their halvening happens about six months prior to Bitcoin's. So that's pushing uh, on the Litecoin price. And then also for Litecoin, they talked about a partnership with Mimblewimble and confidential transactions and some other news items like that. I haven't heard anything about that in, a, in over a week now. Um, but, you know, they, they have some hype going around Litecoin. Um, I expect them not to be able to hold, well, I expect them to be able to hold their advantage or their outperformance of Bitcoin through their halvening. Uh, but uh, unlike Bitcoin, where the hype takes over after the halvening, uh, Litecoin's hype, there is no real demand for Litecoin. <laughs> no one really cares about it. It's not a household name like Bitcoin is. So it, it doesn't drive its own reinforcing cycle like that. And uh, so they, they perform best prior to their halving. Uh, so, yeah, I think that they probably will continue to outperform Bitcoin all the way through this year. Um, but then after the halving, they're, they're going to pull back why Bitcoin is just starting its big climb towards the halving. An interesting kind of time frame there. EOS is up this year so far 42% against Bitcoin, which is pretty crazy. It's a completely centralized project. And they're having lots of problems. They always have problems with their block producers. I mean, it's very similar to uh, BitShares. And BitShares had their day in the sun. <laughs> EOS is kind of similar to that. They, they might have a bigger day in the sun than, than BitShares, especially uh, their market cap. Uh, but as a percentage of the space, I think it's going to be roughly equal. And I don't know what it is right now, probably a 1% or 2%. So interesting to think about EOS. But I would not uh, put any money in EOS. This is not financial advice. And Ethereum on the year, which this is pretty interesting to see. So on the year so far, Ethereum is only up 5% on Bitcoin. And they've had <laughs> they've had two fork pumps. So they had the first pump for the first Constantinople. That topped out about 10 days before the fork. And then it, it was coming down into that the release of the news and the delay of the fork and now it's been pumping into this next round of constantinople and i've been watching very closely as as closely as i can a couple times a day i'll check on this to see if there's any news about a new bug again in ethereum because i totally expect there to be something <laughs> and if there isn't uh, there probably will be something in a month from now so anyways, they're only up 5% on Bitcoin this year, even with these two fork pump episodes. Now that first one did stop 10 days before the fork. I think this one might stop several days before the fork. So we'll see right now. Let's see, it's six days before the schedule of the fork. So within the next day or two, maybe 
uh, this weekend, we'll see a kind of uh, pullback in Ethereum, which I'm hoping for. And the last of the top tier altcoins, we have Ripple. It's down 15% against Bitcoin so far uh, this year. Let's go on to mining. Doing this a little bit out of order today, but that's all right. So mining, man, it's really interesting. If you look at the hash rate, you can look at this at two different places. Um, the, the really nice chart that I use is on bitcoinwisdom.com forward slash bitcoin forward slash difficulty. Uh, but you can also look at BitInfo charts, and they have a really nice representation of the hash rate. So uh, if you look at the last two weeks, we saw a big 15% spike, followed by a big 15% decline in the hash rate. Uh, then we saw a very similar 15% increase in hash rate, and now we've seen a very similar 15% decrease. So we're seeing these big waves of about 15%. And now this, the next having, which should be two or having the next uh, difficulty adjustment, which should be uh, two days from now, uh, is pretty much even. We'll see where this comes out. Um, I think it's it's kind of interesting to see this because I would expect with this increase in price, we had another, you know, what would that be? Uh, 10% increase in price, maybe a little bit less over this last week. But we did see an initial spike in the hash rate, but it's it's pulled back again now. So that's interesting to see that I thought that the hash rate would follow more directly the price, but maybe they're playing a few games with the difficulty adjustment. We'll have to check that out and see how that turns out. Let's go on to lightning. Man alive, guys, this lightning is just growing exponentially and the public numbers we have available, because remember you can do private nodes and private channels with your private balance. And we don't know necessarily if that's capacity and so the public capacity is 716 bitcoins right now and that's i mean it's it's growing i just checked yesterday and it was like at 705 now it's at 716 by the end of the day it'll probably be 720 so it's growing about 20 bitcoins a day in an exponential fashion if you go to bitcoinvisuals.com forward slash lightning you have some really nice charts there. That's where I get my charts from. And um, it's starting to hit the hockey stick. You know, that uh, the classic chart pattern, the exponential function where it looks like uh, when you zoom out, it looks flat at the bottom. But then when it hits the elbow, it goes straight up. We're, we're kind of starting to hit this hockey stick elbow uh, on both the nodes and the number of channels. Now the capacity is a little bit more linear, but uh, we'll take we'll take it. At this rate, we'll we'll probably be by the end of the year what we'll be in the three or four thousand Bitcoin range. And if Bitcoin is five thousand dollars by the end of the year, and there's three thousand Bitcoins on the Lightning Network, that's a capacity of fifteen million dollars. Um, remember, I think the tipping point is around a hundred million dollars so you know when we start seeing a lot of a lot more uh merchants and and big name use cases for lightning network to come out but we'll see i mean if there's something really popular that that comes out that a lot of people want to use lightning for uh, this could double or triple in a week's time honestly so very very interesting stuff i'm watching this closely for you guys and i'll keep you updated 
Let's take a look at the mempool. We've had we've had a few uh, we've had some action in the mempool. We got as high as I think 30 megabytes the other day. I want to pull this out to a 30 day window. Take a look at this chart. Around the 11th of February or so, we had over 30, almost 35 megabytes in the mempool. It looked like something big was happening right at that moment, but it quickly cleared out. So let's see how long that took to clear. Uh, February 11th to empty mempool on the 13th. So only two days to clear that whole mempool out. And of course, that's not how long it would take to get your transaction through. That's just how long it took the network to chew its way through that surge in uh, transactions. And it looked like it all happened. All the entire surge of transactions happened on um, the 11th of February. So they, somebody just dropped a whole bunch of transactions out there and it took about two days to clear it all out. But um, I don't know the story behind that, but it's, it's very interesting. Remember back in 2017, we would have been uh, clogged up for a long time, but now with SegWit and batching and better practices, uh, you know, better stewards of the, the mempool and the blockchain, the mempool is not staying clogged. Um, it's not staying uh, high and fees didn't get very high at all during this, this particular uh, instance here. But every week, it looks like there's some more act activity going on. Um, so we're getting up to, we got up to 20 megabytes in the mempool on the 15th. And then up to 15 megabytes several times over the last week. Uh, so yeah, we're seeing some more activity. But all of those spikes, let's see. You know, we, you might see a few higher fees. Like instead of 3 cents per transaction, you might see some 7, 8, 9, 10 cents per transaction during certain periods, uh, but nothing crazy. And remember, if, if you want to uh, have these really low fees, make your transactions overnight, uh, Western nighttime hours, and uh, or, you know, just wait. I mean, unless you unless it's very urgent that you need to pay something right away, um, you're going to have to increase your fee a little bit, a few cents. But uh, if you can wait, it'll, it'll get through in eight hours. So don't worry about it. Overall, the, the network is functioning very, very well right now. It's very, very healthy. And remember, I think there's going to be a dynamic here between the Lightning Network and on-chain. So for my $10 transactions right now, I can still make them on-chain. Um, a 1% fee for a $10 transaction is not that significant. Um, but that $10, it, you know, once the fees get up to, let's say the fees get as high as a dollar, over the next 12 months from now, um, that is going to be too high for the $10 transactions. So those transactions will transition over to Lightning Network, right? So there's this dynamic. And if the fees go back down to 10 cents, then those $10 transactions might go back onto uh, the main chain. It depends. Now, if, if the fees go up to $50, well, now the smallest transaction that's going to be like economical on chain is what going to be probably $5,000, which isn't that crazy because the average transaction size is really, really high. Let me look that up right now. So the average transaction value right now on Bitcoin is $17,000. The median transaction value is $162 though. So, um, if the average transaction value is 
the fees have to get up to, what would that be? $100 before it hits 1% of that. And it would be like instant settlement. Give me a break now. So, yeah, the, the there's going to be this dynamic where, I, I don't know, maybe 1% of the transaction size um, that is going to be pushing things onto the Lightning Network or onto the main chain back and forth. And it's that's the way to keep miners happy. That's the way to keep um, customers happy, users of Bitcoin. So, Overall, th this does not worry me in the least. There's been some, you know, talk about the block size <laughs> decrease that people uh, are discussing. And I, I mentioned that last week on the show. But uh, yeah, th there's there's just going to be this dynamic and it's not that big a deal. Anyways, let's go on to some news items. First bit of news I have is course samsung samsung i think they're the largest cell phone manufacturers in the world now and they released that they're going to have wallet functionality cryptocurrency wallet functionality on their new phones with this like secure element uh in their their hardware interesting i think they're first rolling it out with bitcoin and ethereum but uh this is not just because it's like it's not a replacement for a trezor all right it's or a, your own hardware device, but it is probably going to be more secure than current cell phone wallets. I recommend uh, Samurai Wallet still for Android. That's the best mobile wallet in my opinion. But uh, with the Samsung stuff coming out, they will be Android too, right? So their wallet is going to be competition for these other wallets that you don't want to carry a lot of money on. You're just spending money and it's not going to be a lightning wallet or anything like that. So uh, just keep that in mind that this is a good sign because it's getting this uh, name recognition out there. It's getting the popularity going. It's getting more eyes wondering about Bitcoin and wondering about this cryptocurrency. If Samsung's putting this onto their chips and things, then there has to be something there, right? So people that might have not looked into it in the past, they'll look into it now. So it's, I think it's overall very good, yeah, but there are some things to be wary of. More, I have two more news items. These are really good ones, but the first one is Janine from Block Digest. She's killing it. She killed it with this uh, uh, tweet storm the other day to Coinbase. It's linked in the show notes for you guys. Uh, but their Coinbase basically acquired this terrorist organization. <laughs> and no joke. I mean, I shouldn't be laughing because it is very, very serious. Um, they, they've been voted, uh, or not voted, but they've been uh, put on a list of enemies of the internet. Okay. It's it's very, very bad deal. I'm going to read you her uh, a few of her tweets here about it. And then you guys can look at all the things that she linked in this tweet storm. So... It's a long-running thing that she's just been adding to, but this was, uh, she started this on the 22nd, so two days ago, and she's added a few since then, but here we go. If you use Coinbase, now you're not only paying for your own surveillance, but the salary of a person who contributed to the murder of journalists, targeting of minority populations, and spouseware around the world. On the off chance that you really are fucking oblivious, Brian Armstrong, here is a history lesson on work of the people you just acquired. And then the, the title of this thing that she linked here is Mapping Hacking Team's Untraceable Spyware. So the, the team that they acquired is called Hacking Team. Next tweet. Hacking Team has been listed as an enemy of the internet by RSF underscore I-N-T-E-R because 
They sell products that are used by authoritarian governments to commit violations of human rights and freedom of information. Attacks on political opponents, journalists, and activists in Mexico and other Latin American countries where those governments uh, were purchasing spyware from Hacking Team and its competitors. And then she calls them out and says, explain yourselves right now. That's to Coinbase. And then the, the last tweet here I'll read is uh, from, what day is this? From today. Uh, more history lesson. In 2014, Hacking Team created a money module as part of their RCS suite to one, remotely compromise your device, two, access your Bitcoin wallet, three, monitor any Bitcoin related emails. Sound familiar? Guess who was using it? The Egyptian and Saudi governments. So these, this hacking team that Coinbase just acquired um, created software for the Saudi government to crush their own people. So if you don't have, if you didn't have a reason to get out of Coinbase, now you do. Get the fuck out of Coinbase. Boycott them. Tell everybody about this. Share this link around. Tell all the people in your meetups. When people start talking about Coinbase, tell them, don't go there. They are the enemies of Bitcoin. They're the enemies of the internet. They just acquired a terrorist organization. For real. Like, this is not a joke. Cash App is a great alternative. I mean, it is KYC and all that, but you can withdraw the Bitcoin you buy there onto Wasabi, mix them, uh, put them onto your Trezor after that. You know, like, this is a major issue that we need to... It You can take a few steps to really affect the situation here. If you're new listening to this... Don't go to Coinbase. Close your Coinbase account. If you're OG listening to this, I don't know. I don't know if I have any OGs. I think I have a, a few OGs listening. Um, close your Coinbase accounts, people. I, I mean, mine was still open. Okay. I had, I'd never used it for like three or four years, but it was still open. I had to close it. Don't use Coinbase. All right. Next item. IMF. So the IMF had this blog post from, I linked to it in the show notes, of course, of course. So they, they have their blog at imf.org and they ha- uh, back on the 5th of February, they had this article called uh, Cashing In, How to Make Negative Interest Rates Work. I'm just going to read a little bit of this uh, to you. So many central banks reduced policy interest rates to zero during the global financial crisis to boost growth, to boost growth. 10 years later, interest rates remain low in most countries while the global economy has been recovering. Maybe uh, future downturns are inevitable and they haven't gotten off zero. Many of them are still negative, not just zero, but negative Uh, severe recessions have historically required three to six percentage point cut points cut uh, in policy rates. So what that means is, if the Fed funds rate is 5%, they'll cut it to zero during a recession or 1% or something. They cut it down to zero this time and held it there for eight fucking years. Eight years. It's never happened before. If Bitcoin is an experiment, so is this central bank policy. Negative interest rates never happened before in the history of the world. If Bitcoin is an experiment, they have to say that so are their negative interest rates. And it's a much more explosive experiment. 
Like if Bitcoin dies right now, if it, if Bitcoin is an experiment, it's a pretty sound one, but, uh, if Bitcoin went down, you know what? It would be like $80 billion loss. Okay. That sucks. But, <laughs> but if the international financial system had a financial crisis, we're talking trillions of dollars. Entire nations, an entire generation in most places will be ground to dust. They will starve. There will be starvation. Just look at Venezuela. You know, people are starving there. There's no dogs in Caracas. Why? Because they've eaten them all. It's a sad, sad place. And that's going to be the world. That's their experiment. I, I prefer my Bitcoin experiment over their negative interest rate experiment. Anyway, so yeah, they say that in a recession, they usually cut it 3 to 6% uh, the rates. If another crisis happens, few countries would have that kind of room for monetary policy response. To get around this problem, a recent IMF staff study shows how central banks can set up a system that would make deeply negative interest rates a feasible option. Deeply, deeply negative interest rates. Rewind, I think, two years on this show. I talked about a footnote in a Janet Yellen speech where she mentioned like this algorithmic way to set interest rates and that it was saying like between 4 and 7% negative is what they should have done after the financial crisis. So what is it going to say after like they want to go there? They've been priming the pump for two years to go very negative. And what negative interest rates means, I mean, Nick Batia would be able to tell you this way, way better than me, but uh, you are paying them to let them borrow your money. And the, the reason why they do this is so that people don't save, they spend, they borrow more. Right? Because they actually have, if they are the borrowers, they have to pay back less than they borrowed. Imagine getting a, ho a home loan for negative 5% interest. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's absolute crazy town. But, uh, they can't do this unless they get rid of cash. Unless they get rid of cash, because then you'll just stuff the cash in your mattress. Right? It's better than losing money. To get rid of that problem, they have to make it cashless. So then they control everything. They'll give you penalties if you don't spend your money or whatever. The IMF always seems to be slightly ahead of the rest of the world. It's kind of like in that elite group that they actually listen to. And so if this is coming out from the IMF right now, February of 19, I bet February of 20, we're seeing major moves towards a cashless society. That's just going to push a lot of people into Bitcoin. That's it for today, guys. Thanks for listening. My name is Hansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Thanks to all my supporters out there. Thanks to the guys on the Discord chat. Thanks for uh, people uh, listening. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. If you want to support the show, subscribe. Share it around with your meetups. Share it around with other people. Uh, get more people in here listening to this type of information. And... You can support me on Patreon, all sorts of things. So go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. We'll catch you next week. Peace.